Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the eight six scratch head, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> we're Mark, professional. Mark, welcome to the eight six four podcast. Um, we're super excited to have you on. You know both me and Randall super well, and um, we'd probably call you a dear friend. Um, probably he would. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it's <working> on it. <laughs> it's it's good to have you on. Um, we both uh, the three of us served together um, at the youth center and at the way. And um, so it's fun that you get to come on and be our first guest of the show. Um, so excited to have you on. And, yeah, do you have anything else to share in my excitement? I mean, here, Mark, he's a quarterback. He can just drain threes. Uh, he's a pickleballer. This man, if you've ever Athlete. if you've ever played basketball with him, <laughs> he's getting he's getting all shy and embarrassed. But the man will literally beat anyone on yeah, the basketball if you, court. If you ever played with Mark, you did lose. Yep, exactly. Yeah, but anyway, I don't think there's any truth in these statements. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, now nah. so I guess um, to start out, me and Randall both know obviously what you do and all that. But maybe tell all of our listeners what you do um, for a living and what kind of got you into that. Yeah, so I work for a mortgage company and help people get into homes. So we do, I do home financing. So why I got into that, I'm not really sure. <laughs> so um, it's it's always funny. Like when I when I was a kid, I always like uh, went around and asked, like if we were in Verizon, at Sonic, wherever we're at, I'd always ask my dad, "What does that person make? Like, what do you make at Verizon? What do you uh. make here?" And like, what I do for a living is I ask people how much money they make. Oh, that's cool. So, so I was always intrigued on like, what does that job pay this mm-hmm. much and this? Mm-hmm. And then now like, that's what I do. So yeah. um, I think that is something that's cool that tied in. There was no like um, purpose. Like I didn't purposely seek that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing. Um, and then secondly, um, when I was going through school, high school, college, I just did not want a salary or hourly position. So I was really attracted to commission-based pay. Huh. So, um, and I just thought like, you know, the harder I work, the more money I can make, the less yeah. I work, you know, I, yeah. I, I like that whole idea mm-hmm. and concept. And so I think commission is what drew me to the industry. Huh. And yeah. then, um, I just think that other piece is cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. So like being in finances, are you, have you always liked numbers or is it just something that you like more people than you like numbers? I think it's a mixture of both. I think I've always been naturally gifted at numbers. Um, I wouldn't say I liked numbers per se. Like, I don't think I could be an accountant. Okay. Um, because I just think that's all numbers. So I yeah. think the balance of people with their numbers yeah. is um, is pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I um, honestly, before, I guess before I became a realtor, even began to know you, I would have not known anything about, like, financial like mortgage companies or anything so just like give us a a minute blip into like what you do for a customer yeah so let's just say that you are interested in in buying a house basically Mm -hmm. um you you probably go on zillow or whatever and say hey i want to buy that house or work with a realtor or or work with a realtor you know (laughs) at some or you call zill and they set you up with a realtor whatever so then they're gonna say well can you buy that house? And you're going to say, oh, I think so. Um, but then they're going to say, go talk to a bank or whatever. And at that point, that's me. Generally, if you got sent to me mm-hmm. and we just do an application, we look at credit, we look at income, we look at assets, mm-hmm. and then we determine, you know, if you can afford that house and send yeah. your pre-approval. 
Yeah. So that's that's basically sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the one of the reasons we wanted to have you on specifically is because we are looking for people who work a normal job, live a normal life, don't have to be a full time pastor or whatever, but still find a way to get into the um the local community wherever you're at. And so like I'm assuming you work a normal forty hour week. You're not one of those twenty hour guys who just has all this extra time to to give away. Like your schedule's fairly normal. Fairly normal. I would say nine to five with a little bit more than that, sometimes on the weekends. Okay. So Yeah. 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 So he's a very normal person. So normal, very so normal. average. Average. No, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Know. And that, yeah, like Randall said, um, I think the the biggest reason we asked you to um, to come onto the podcast is, like he said, we want um, we want people to see into the lives of the the pastors, nonprofit, all those people. But sometimes, as an individual listening, you might be like, "Well, that's great. Like they do awesome things, but I'm not a pastor, and I don't like that's not my calling." And so the majority of us will probably won't end up being a pastor exactly but we wanted to kind of get also the flip side of like people that are normal and like work like a job and then get off of work and like what do you do with your time and like how do you how can you actually um help out and still invest even though you're like that so um even though you work nine to five and 40 hours a week whatever um so yeah i guess uh Starting off, you volunteer at the way, obviously. Um, what first got you into that? Like, why Why did something like that excite you? And, like, what made you decide, like, this is something I want to do? Yeah, so I think Jake Spence, who's a deputy um, in, in Oconee County, mm-hmm. uh, a good friend of mine, actually started volunteering before I did. And he told me about um, a basketball ministry okay and i mean basketball plus jesus i mean mm-hmm. i mean i was in yeah so yeah that's cool athlete yeah <laughs> so when i um when i when i was in college or like just getting out of college i i always had something in, in my mind like that like okay. using basketball as a vessel you know to reach you know kids and whatnot yeah. so i didn't know if that meant coaching if it meant nonprofit, whatever and so when jake told me that was a thing it was like oh my gosh i can just volunteer it was like the yeah. perfect uh, yeah. mix yeah so and you you've been at the way for how long because you've been there longer than i have for all yeah. i know it's forever <laughs> no i would say just a few years at this point probably two or three i think when i initially started i i didn't come a lot and wasn't too plugged in and then i think over the years just got more and more involved mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the um i think it's cool because yeah that's another thing that i think is cool about you is that um you you like to play basketball but then at the same time it's like basketball isn't the only thing that draws you to the way at this point like maybe at the beginning it was a lot like you want to go play basketball and like introduce kids to jesus but now um i see a lot more of like even you just saying i'm not playing basketball tonight and i'm just going to hang out with kids and like talk to kids so it's cool like how it's almost it's shifted you still would always play basketball and you're always down to school some kid in one-on-one or whatever but i think uh seeing you kind of grow that into um like working one-on-one with kids off the basketball court has been really cool to watch um and so yeah i guess maybe talk a little bit about like what you've learned 
as a volunteer, like what, what makes your time as a volunteer really, really fun or like what makes, what keeps you coming back? Yeah. I think kind of what you're mentioning at the end is that I think when you first start volunteering, like the way specifically, like you just kind of want to like get on the same level as the kids per Mm -hmm. se, like kind of like earn the right to speak to them. I think that's a term Mm -hmm. you use a lot. So like, um, I mean, I don't think it just, I think that means developing those relationships. So whether that's, you know, them seeing you play basketball and think you're good. And then that point, Oh, I can kind of speak into them now or, um, just, it, it just turned from just playing basketball to saying, okay, well, how, how can we really affect these, these kids' lives? And that's, mm. you know, whether that's texting them, taking them out somewhere like on a weekend or some movies, whatever. And, um, I, I think it was that shift where, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, basketball's going to end, you know, at some point we've mm-hmm. got to actually start making a, you know, yeah. legitimate change or at least let them see kind of what right might look like if they, yeah. cause there's a lot of kids that don't see, don't see that at all. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and so the other thing that that we like to do is you you're not from this area originally. You're from North Carolina, city boy. Uh, I'm I'm from Rock Hill, which is a South Carolina. Uh, oh, are you really? Yeah. Okay. So it's right on the it's right on the boards. Gotcha. The, gosh, boards. right on the border between North Carolina and South Carolina, about twenty minutes from Charlotte. Okay. So um, you got a Carowinds too on the way. Okay. Oh, nice. Right nice. on the it's right beside it. Yeah, but you, you, um, I mean, you've talked about spending a lot of time in Charlotte. Is that, um, or just like playing basketball and like, or in that area, is that kind of where you learn to love basketball and, um, whatnot? You know, I, I, I was thinking about this and, um, my parents put me into a, um, it was called like city hoops or something like that when we were like eight or nine, maybe. Okay. And me and my brother were the only white people on our really? teams. So, you know, we're, you know, and it, it was, it was an amazing experience because mm-hmm. it was just, you know, a totally different level of talent than where you were used to playing. Yeah. And I would say for, you know, three, four years there, you know, that's what we, who we grew up hanging out with, talking with, even though like we didn't, you know, maybe live near each other or yeah. whatnot. I mean, it really broke the barriers back basketball did. So yeah, that's cool. And it also really helped us get better. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that was, that was really where basketball was introduced and where I fell in love with it. Yeah. So then how did you end up down here from Rock Hill? Yeah. So I went to Anderson university. Um, I have some family in this area, so I just, I ended up going to Anderson. There was really no rhyme or reason to it. Um, um, graduated, uh, from Anderson, actually loved the area. Um, but when I graduated, I had a job offer in Charlotte. Um, so I went and worked in Charlotte for about a year or two. And then at that point I was like, I wanted to move back to the upstate and a year or two later I moved back and I've been here since. So about six, seven years now. Maybe that's where I got the idea that you were from Charlotte. (laughs) So did you, um, I guess, did you know Kristen before you moved back to Charlotte or did you meet her since moving here? So I, I met her when I moved back. Okay, cool. Cool. And yeah, for all those listening, Kristen is Mark's wife. Yes. Yes. Um, how long have you guys been married? We've been married a little over two years. Some people call me Mark Clardy. Mark Clardy. Yeah. yeah. I took on her last name. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody knows who the Clardys are in this area. So it's, it's, I guess that would be to your benefit. <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess I, I like what you were saying about the, um, like you, you and your brother being only the only white kids, and how that kind of changed your 
it probably changed your perspective on like just being being around people of the opposite race because it's not like um i mean even without necessarily being like racist in a community it still kind of feels like there's a barrier sometimes yeah and i i even see that like with volunteers at the way like even from the style of basketball that's played um mm-hmm. um like a lot of our teens that come they like the um showboating individual talk trash all that where it's not like they don't hate you as an individual but some of the things they say on the court would really make you think otherwise yeah um and i think uh probably of all the staff you have the the best relatability to those kids just because you you kind of know that style already and like so i guess that's to your advantage that you kind of had that um in your past um so yeah basically what i'm i guess what i'm kind of getting at is like for someone who's who's come from a, a background of like even from what me and Randall was like playing high school basketball at a school where it was all white kids and um, all playing like what what's one thing that um, you try to what's one piece of advice to someone coming in and like wanting to volunteer play basketball with kids that played a completely different style or maybe act completely different. I think you you hit the nail on the head is that although it might be different, it, it's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you're playing and it's a a rougher sport or that <laughs> than you might be used to or a little more talking, yeah. That it once you get off the court, it none of that means anything. Yeah. So like, you know, you can kind of embrace it, enjoy it, you know, laugh with it when you're on the court. Just just don't take it personally. Yeah. Um, have fun with it. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I think if you can take it with that mindset, I mean, you'll actually start to enjoy that type of play. Yeah. And you you do enjoy it. I, I, it, I it goes too far sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's a little too much. Yeah. But um yeah, cool. Uh I guess we'll just keep on moving. Um what has been the most rewarding part about volunteering? Um, yeah, I guess that can be either at the way or things that you've done in the past. Like what, what kind of <clears throat> drives you to keep on volunteering your time? So when it comes to volunteering, um, I, I think what most people, including myself, um, you, you don't realize until you do it is that you think that you're the one giving and um, like you're you're pouring yourself out or doing something, but at, but once you do that act and whatnot, you realize that you get so much from mm, it. Yeah. Like, um, and, and I think you only realize what that means. And I'm, I'm probably not explaining it well until you do it. Because yeah. like uh, you know, once you, you you might feel like, hey, I'm really pouring into a kid and stuff, and then they say something to you, and it's like, wow, that made me feel good, you know. And yeah. it's it's like you you give, but you actually get a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think we think about giving and ministry in a way where we have to like go serve, serve, serve. And a lot of times I feel like we get filled up ourselves Yeah, that's in, good. in the work itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that happens really no matter where you volunteer, anytime you give of yourself, uh, especially when it's people oriented, um, like just from that kind of thing in my history, you you end up learning a lot more about the world and yourself that you maybe never even considered. Yeah. And you would never know if you hadn't stepped out and given that time. Yeah. I hear that a lot with folks who go on um, abroad mission trips. Mm-hmm. You know, they thought they were going to 
you know, spread the word and whatnot, which they are, but they come yeah. back and they're the ones filled up. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think the same thing with, you know, our, our missions, mission fields, you know, in Oconee County. Or yeah. Whatnot. Yeah. No, I, and it's, it's funny because it almost seems without fail, anyone who's involved in anything, or even if you go anywhere, it's, it's always the same story of like, I was, I came back filled and like, I, I'm, I get so much joy out of this and it, it, it kind of makes you like, everybody says that, but it's almost hard to believe sometimes like, mm-hmm. because you're like, well, how can you actually get enjoyment out of it? If you're just basically sacrificing your time for someone else. Um, but it seems like with all the people just over and over, everybody would be like, Oh, I'm volunteering. Oh, I'm giving up my time. Um, but it is a lot harder of a commitment than just saying like, yeah, sure. I'm in. So it's a lot more. Well, and, and specifically with the way, I don't know that there's really anything more intimidating than trying to get in with a group of teenagers oh yeah. My, yeah. when you're, I mean, even if you're just a couple years older than the group that's there, yeah. it feels like you're a lifetime away from their experience. And I don't spend a lot of time on things like TikTok and yeah. it, it just, as far as being a part of the in crowd, um, I guess how have you experienced that just from like uh, how do you even get to a place where um, they're willing to talk to you or how do you get past that? Cause initially when yeah. you show up, it's intimidating. You don't really know what to say. What, what has helped you get past some of that? Well, I, I think that intimidation is always there um, <laughs> for the, for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I really <laughs> yeah, is, I, I and, but it's also humbling. You yeah. know, um, I, I, I think it's, it's the easiest way is developing one-on-ones. I think it's, I think it's very tough mm. um, to get a group of mm-hmm. specifically boys yeah. to just open up and talk to you, especially yeah. about life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, trying to get one-on-one conversations here and there every week. Hey, well, how's it going? This and that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the more consistently you're able to do that, the more you develop those relationships. Yeah. And that probably goes along with what you were saying about how initially you're playing basketball, but then the real relationship happens outside of that yeah. day-to-day life with maybe just a couple teens at a time yeah. going and doing really anything, any normal life activity. Yeah. And, and you also see people like Mike and Phil who used to do it, and they do it so effortlessly. And you're like, "That's true. These are just these are just kids. Talk to them, you know." Mm-hmm. And because I, I think they, it can be so intimidating. Mm-hmm. I get intimidated around the girls, especially. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and and but when you see other people do it that are there, and it makes you kind of, it kind of gives you the courage to say, "Okay, well." not afraid of rejection here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, well, and that's such a big part of yeah. it because I don't, I think as, as put together as some people can look in the end, I don't know that we know what we're doing yeah, ever. Yeah. Like exactly. And it just takes that, I think availability yeah. and just showing up means about as much to uh, the people like the teens there or really anyone, whatever yeah. ministry you're in. Yeah. Half of the work is just, showing up and being available yeah i think i think what you said um you said like consistently doing this mm-hmm. like i think that's the biggest thing like you can you can be the greatest person to ever talk to any teen but if you're only there like once and then they don't see you again for another six months like what good does that do so it's not like you don't 
you don't really get anywhere with with anyone. I mean, we're talking about teens, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the same with anyone that you're trying to help out in life or you're trying to be there for. Like, you actually have to be there to mm-hmm. actually make that difference. And so, if you're able to consistently do that with someone, that means a lot more than just being able to talk good or or say something really profound. So, yeah. But yeah, if, as far as teens go, it's it's just the thing. It's it's <laughs> no one has the answer to it. I don't think it's just uh, you live and you learn. So, but yeah, um, I guess kind of shifting a little bit. Um, not really shifting, but uh, talking about so like you volunteer at the way and you do that. Um, for those that don't know, like it's every Thursday night, and so you're you're there pretty much almost every week. I mean, you do take weeks off and stuff like that, but how do you balance, um, like going between work, the the ministry, your home life, your personal life? Like, how does that all balance in your head? Like, where do you feel like, um, do you ever draw the line at like, if a teen asks you like, Hey, can you do this with me? Or like, um, or like, how do you balance that mentally? Like, being able to work all the way to five o'clock or five thirty, and then go straight to the youth center. Like how have you found, like what helps you with that? Um, I think the biggest thing um, is, is having a supportive wife and um, having a wife that wants to be involved as well. So like if we can, instead of, I don't know, whatever we would do on a Thursday evening, go out to eat or hang out at the house. I mean, we're at the way together. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something we can do together. She enjoys. And so, I mean, I, w- I would encourage people to do it with your spouse. That's good, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, and secondly, just in balance, I think, and, and I really, me and Alex joke about this a lot, I think um, if something's important to you, like, you can make time for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. So, I, I mean, that's what I think about with balance. I think when you, when you balance your load each week and whatnot, you know what you're going to make time for and what you're not. And mm-hmm. if the, the way or whatever it is is important, I mean, you'll be there yeah. or you'll be there every other week or, you know, as, as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, that's good. What What's important to you, you'll make time for. I like that. And, yeah, Alex does need to hear that sometimes. Chuckles from the producer yeah. in the background. He's got a lot going on. Oh, um, yeah, he does have a lot going on. Um, anyway, um but yeah, another thing is, do you do you ever set aside? Um, we talked a little bit about this with JD when we were talking to him, um, and he said that one thing he always does, he tries to like take time for Sabbath and like just take time for rest because he's bivocational. He's pastors and then he works, so it's like he he tries to take that specific time to just set aside for just him and his wife or like even just his time to read and write and stuff like that. Do you have any like routines throughout your week that are like, this is my time just to kind of take time to rest? I mean, I think Sundays for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. I mean, it's sitting around basically all day, might get a little pickleball in, but besides yeah. that, to me, that's rest. Like it rests yeah. my mind. Cause I'm not thinking yeah. about anything. Yeah. So, um, I think that, and then, you know, at night, you know, always try to, you know, calm your mind and, you know, read read through some form of scripture, whether it's mm-hmm. devotional or whatnot, and mm-hmm. praying. Like me and mm-hmm. Kristen, I think, do a good job of praying with each other, mm-hmm. you know, every night before bed. Yeah. So just, 
I, I think in regards to like getting your mind cleared and stuff, I think you just got to make that time where that's 10, 20, 30 minutes a day. And then yeah. specifically one day for sure. A week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you do pretty good at um like, like I know for me, even like if I go on vacation or if I go on, like I say like Sunday is my day of rest, but then if something comes up, I'm like, you know, I think I can swing it. Like, I think I can just do that on Sunday. Like, I know it's my day of rest. Are you good at just, like, setting it aside? Or is that something that's really hard for you to do? Or even, like, if you get a call that's work-related work on, like, the weekend, are you good at just being, like, it's fine to wait till Monday? Or, like... No, I'm not good at that. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just kind of a get get things done now. I do see... I mean, I totally think I need to grow in that area. One thing I will say, you know, someone like JD or, you know, whoever, you know, they've had kids and, you know, and we don't currently have kids. So, I mean, our schedule, you know, is probably a lot freer than others. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't feel overwhelmed in life, at least at this stage. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) so when you talk about balancing and stuff like that, I mean, right now, I think balancing is fairly easy. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. But I could see that getting tougher if you did have kids. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. No, I think... Um, and <laughs> Not it, that any of us can speak to that. I no, guess, I mean, yeah. I, I feel the same way. Sometimes it's like some people say that they feel so overwhelmed and they have to actually, like, whatever. Like, there are times that mentally I feel really overwhelmed, yeah. but as far as, like, week to week, I never feel like I don't have time to do stuff. It's more like the mental, like, yeah. am I actually going to... Like, it's what you said. If it's important enough, you're going to make time. So, like, I have I have time in the week, but it's that mental of, like, is it important enough for me to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to commit time well, to it. And I, I think sometimes we don't realize how much time we actually have until it's, like, gone. For, yeah. for me, it was um, when I was working at the boys' camp and working 24 or 5, and then you don't actually have time because – Five days out of the week, you're working, kind of. I mean, from when you wake up to when you go to bed, you're taking care of these these boys. And I, I realized through some of that how much time I actually have, even though I work a nine-to-five job. Yeah. Uh, evenings, it, it depends on whether you're going to view your time as yours to spend or something that you can hold loosely and give away to. Yeah. It's a good word. Bro. That is good. Preach. <laughs> Preach that thing. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I don't know what else I could ask about that because I, I think you hit the nail on the head about um, just what you make time for and all that. Uh, do you have any um, fun, uh, and it doesn't have to be a story, but, like, what's, what's one thing that um, – has brought you like a lot of joy from like and maybe like an individual relationship at the way. Um, it's kind of a like a little bit off subject, yeah. but like it like what's you don't have to name any names specifically, but you could say like like what's one instant where you're like oh, this is this is fun, this has clicked because we were even talking with JD about how a lot of what we do when we work with people is you might not have that instant gratification. And so sometimes like when you're looking to volunteer somewhere, you're like, you can be there for like three months and you don't see anything. So you're like, this sucks. I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but maybe if you could share like what's one thing that has kind of come from like that long consistent that you're like really excited about or proud of. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll name, so I would say just my relationship with Jason. So okay. like I, Jason's been at the way for forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, probably 10 years. Yeah. I mean, cause he, I think he grew up in the, uh, the kid center that yep. transitions yep. to the way. Yep. So, um, you know, for a couple years there, I mean, I don't know if we just didn't get along or didn't click or whatever. And, you know, he's, he's rambunctious and kind of wild and crazy sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and one day I like, I was just kind of getting on to him. Like, I, I don't know exactly what happened. And he, and he just sat there and was, you know, we, we sat, I sat down beside him and he, he was just like, why do why do y'all even talk to me? Y'all don't even care about me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and like, we had known each other, but not really. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you don't even have my phone number. He's like, I only see you one day a week and you don't even, you don't even really know who I am. And I mean, it, wow. and it really, it really kind of hit me hard because I mean, he was right. Like, I mean, we, you know, could laugh and joke on Thursdays, but like, I, I didn't really have a relationship. Wow. And, um, you know, from that day, you know, I mean, we text, I mean, we Instagram, you know, we, I mean, I, I mean, we just seen our relationship grow. I mean, I think he just respects, I think, all of us counselors now. Yeah. And um, it's just really grown. But it really took me to say, okay, I need to be taking things, you know, a step further, mm-hmm. at least with those willing to do that. Yeah. I I actually like that situation you were talking about. I, like, vividly remember that in my head. And I, I still have, like, that mental picture of you guys sitting there, like, and talking about it. Because it was one of those things, like, Jason – just kind of just put it out there in front of everybody how he was feeling. And mm-hmm. you, like, pulled him to the side and sat down with him and just, like, talked it out. Like, I wasn't listening. Like, I wasn't there for your conversation. But that mental image of, like, yeah. you guys sitting on the sitting on the court and just talking about it. And it's it's crazy to, to think that, like, before that, you were just kind of showing up and, like, being there. But, like when you actually took that step and like, that's, that's a big thing for someone like Mm -hmm. to take a teen and be like, Hey, come, let's talk about this. Yeah. But I I see that all the time, even with the teens that I have to pull aside, whether it's a good thing or what, sometimes it's like a lot of times it's a bad thing, but it's like when they, um, when you actually take the time and like hear them out and like hear why they're upset and then actually just like, Cause we all love, like we love yeah. getting to know him and mm-hmm. you love hanging out with Jason. I love hanging out with Jason and Roman and Drake and all those guys. Like they're, they're fun to get to know, but they won't, they won't usually open, open up until you just take that step. And I think like, since you've done that with Jason, it's, it's been really cool to see like he respects you a lot more now than he did ever before. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I, and I think to, one thing you get from from the group of teens, kids in general, they have a way of seeing into situations pretty clearly. Like they know mm-hmm. your intentions, yeah. and they know when you're just there to show up and just play basketball on a Thursday night, and you don't really actually care that much about them. Yeah. And I think that's just a good example of a situation where you think you're maybe – doing a ministry or something on a Thursday night by being there, but you end up learning so much about yourself, how you're approaching the situation, stuff you're totally blind to until a, a teen just kind of says it how it, how it yeah. is. 
and you think you're there to kind of set their lives straight, but then all of a sudden they turn around and land one of those on you and you realize that maybe you're actually the one with something to learn. Yeah, that's good. It happens pretty often yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, because they, they will not hesitate to say whatever they think. Yeah. If they think. If they think you're being disrespectful, if they think you're not treating someone fairly, if they think anything, they'll say it and, like, they mm-hmm. don't. And they're usually and, right. Oh, I know. Like, and it's except when people call you a liar and say that you're all that. Then sometimes they're like, okay. Wow. Then if you're gonna have to edit that. That's not appropriate. No, that was uh, anyway. Yeah, but it's it's fun. Um, Timestamp, please. Timestamp. Uh, no, that's good. Um, but yeah, you're. Yeah, I think um, it's been cool to watch. I guess I don't want to puff you up too much, but it's been cool to watch, <laughs> like, you, um, like, because even I knew you first as the guy who was at the way. Um, and then, well, I guess I, maybe I, I met you first when I called you about a house or something like that. Or, like, I talked to you first, but then I met you yeah. at the way, and then that's how I know you is through the way. And so it's cool to see that, like, your identity to me is someone who I, who I see serving and like, um, like pouring into that community and not necessarily your, your nine to five where there's a lot of people that I could ask, like, do you know Mark Vihan? And they'd be like, Oh yeah, he's a mortgage guy. Um, but to me it's like Mark, Mark Vihan is a lot. Um, he's, he's not the mortgage guy. He's the guy who like actually (laughs) gives and all that. So it's, it's cool. And I think that's what, that's what a lot of people are missing out of missing out on if you don't like actually take that time and make time for things that are important and that are really good for you is I think you can learn a lot and you can really grow. So yeah. I mean, that's not to buff you up too much. Yeah. Don't need you to get a big head. It's cause it's big. Right he now. already has a big enough head. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Um, our last question, and we we're gonna keep this consistent for every single person that comes on our podcast. That's so we're the gonna plan anyway. Yeah, that's the plan, and Ooh. so we're gonna ask um, anyone this for um, anyone that comes on is what's well, one thing the world needs more of, and why? I had to think about this one for a long time. Yeah, did so, you consult some friends on this too? No, I went straight into that big brain of mine. Nice, <laughs> puffed up brain. I mean, um, so. This might be a little controversial take. Okay. So I think this is specifically to the, I'm going to answer this as from the church. Okay. Um, I think the world needs more of um, Christians who are, you know, part of our church to be willing to volunteer in their local communities. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we, we hit on this, I hit on this a tad bit. I think it's, I think when church or a lot of Christians, including myself for a long time, uh, thought of, think missions, you think, oh, I need to go to Africa, or mm-hmm. I need to, which is not bad. I'm not saying that. Or I need, to, or I can only go to, I need to go there to be on the mission field. Mm-hmm. And there are so many nonprofits in this area. I mean, I mean, the ways one of them, you know, the pregnancy center, food mm-hmm. banks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If we had, if every person in the church actually volunteered. You know, outside the church and that, and we're the hands and feet of Christ. I mean, 
I can't imagine what our world will look like. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's just what I think it needs more of. Yeah, and that's very practical and very um, applicable to anyone who's who's listening. Is that like what can you do? And and yeah, like that the idea of I mean that's how it was for me for a very long time. Even like when I decided I want to move to Phoenix, even that felt a lot more like ministry than yeah. doing anything here was because I was leaving. And I'm not saying no one should ever do that because it was really good. Oh, we're called and to do it. Yeah, yeah. some you're people supposed are. To, you're supposed to yeah. go out. But I think just you not being called to go out shouldn't be an excuse for you not to do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're saying is that um, there's so much opportunity. There's so many opportunities just in Seneca um, that could use Christians there because there's a lot of non-Christians who are willing to volunteer. Oh. Uh, you know, so yeah. it's not just Christians. So, I mean, and we won't people who are Christians that are not just volunteering, but also, you know, doing it, you know, for Christ as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and I think, I think what you see specifically in the church, what you're talking about is it's so easy to build a, like a kingdom for yourself yeah, with uh, your house as your castle and your, your community is a group of safe people that you're comfortable around. And when like what we're actually called to is to go out. We build the kingdom by, I think, like you said, first step is just like your community. And that could start in Seneca. And, you know, we have believers all over uh, South Carolina, the United States. If if we all would do that right where we're at, uh, it would change the world in an, in a huge way. But just starting with the individual, yeah, yeah. you can just go do that. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, like we were saying earlier, that's why we wanted you on and um, just, yeah, why we wanted to do this interview with somebody who's maybe not a pastor because it's not just the pastors that yeah. do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And it, I mean, even coming from the standpoint of, of being the director of an organization. And I know speaking to other organization directors, it's like if, if there would be like, instead of five people willing to help you out, if there would be 20, 25 people, like it would be insane. The amount that like that just exponential. So, and it, it would be just exciting to see more excitement and more, um, like, people just really just committing to it and saying like, I'm here, I'm ready to serve. Yeah. And, and willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, in exactly. And not, not necessarily just chasing that nine to five and um, just giving their time that way. And even viewing their work as their ministry, which you can use your yeah. work as mm-hmm. ministry, but not using that as an excuse to not do anything else. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's right. It's, practical yeah i think about work as ministry a lot you know but a lot of times i would say at least where we work at most of the people we work with are christians so Mm -hmm. yeah like yes it's a mission field and you should still you know love your neighbors and love the christians around you well i totally agree but you know it's that to me just i think it's just such a not a cop-out but it's just like oh i'm doing that at work 
Yeah. But, you know, they're already believers and all signed up at their church and their nursery. So yeah. they're all, you know, they're all good people. <laughs> no, and that's so true. So, and, and, and I just think just stepping outside of that into the community, and it's not every day. I mean, even at, for example, the way, it doesn't have to be the way. There's a hundred ministries. Yeah. Um, you do every other week. One, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a lot of time. So, and, and doing that, you know, helps refresh other volunteers and whatnot too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, it's good that ending on that note of something as practical, everybody listening can be like, they're now charged with something. Don't just, don't just be that normal person who works nine to five, goes home and just kind of does whatever they want. But instead, like, take that step. Like you said, it could only be like once every other week or it could be once every week. Like Mm -hmm. take that extra step and be like, I'm going to commit this time and get excited. And there's so many other organizations. Um, We talked about the way, but like you said, Foothills Care Center, um, even like the thrift stores around here, they always need help. The um, Ripple, they always need help. There's so many different people in this community and we're hoping to spotlight some of them on this podcast, but there's so many people that need help if we could all just be a little bit more willing to give our time, that would yeah. be really cool to see. I think the world and Oconee County would benefit a ton from that. So, yeah. Um, Can we get an official pronunciation of your last name for the podcast? Yeah, so it depends on which country you're in. <laughs> um, Where does I, it come from? <laughs> I have no idea. It's V. Han. Vihan. Vihan. Yes. I don't think Mike even knew that. I, I literally always say <laughs> I think you were you saying it right? I was saying it right this podcast, yeah. but I always say Mark Vihan. Yes, yeah, so I just what, let that's him do That's what it. I always hear. <laughs> I don't think I've ever corrected you. Vihan. <laughs> so like the E doesn't even need to be there. It could just be V dash. Exactly. So now wow. we know. It's just right. Vihan. Anyway, thank you, Mark Vihan, um, for being our... <laughs> Sounds weird that you said it right. I know. <laughs> Thank you for being our first guest. Um, and yeah, we yeah, definitely encouraged from our conversation. And I hope, well, I know a lot of people that are going to listen to this are going to also be encouraged. So um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for making time for us. Um, and Thank you both for having that. me. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think that's a wrap. All right.